you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Welcome back, guys, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. We really appreciate our loyal audience for tuning in. It's our mission here at Restaurant Rockstars to bring you guests that will help you run a stronger, more profitable business enterprise. So in this week's episode, I'm really excited to bring you Mr. Duncan Parker. He is the founder of a company called Dine Gigs, and he has created what he calls the LinkedIn for the food service space. He is providing a 100% free opportunity and place for you to post unlimited jobs and connect with talent. And we're talking all positions here. Now, Duncan is a former executive chef of one of the highest grossing boutique restaurants in the country, as well as being an awardee of Open Tables Top 100 Restaurants in America. So the guy's got talent. The guy has experience. So you got to listen because this episode will help you solve that pain point. We'll be talking all about how the system works, the software, the documentation, the scheduling feature, and background checks, and how staff can post resumes, and how all this can happen online seamlessly wherever you are. So you're not going to miss this episode. Stay tuned. Fellow operators and managers, forget the old way of doing business. It's time to automate your back of house. To reduce food costs, optimize labor, increase efficiencies, and grow sales and profits, you need a system. The one simple system that does it all is called Restaurant 365. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, restaurant-specific, all-in-one accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates your POS, payroll provider, and all your vendors. Use it to generate accurate, user-friendly, real-time reports to make immediate data-driven decisions. Restaurant 365 eliminates manual, error-prone processes and is designed to grow with your business. Restaurant 365 handles inventory management and helps reduce food costs. It streamlines the payables management process and automates bank reconciliations, while the scheduling feature engages employees and helps reduce labor costs. To run a stronger, more efficient restaurant, take a closer look at Restaurant 365. Check it out at www.restaurant365.com forward slash rockstar. Guys, it's no secret that labor is a huge challenge right now. But putting help wanted signs in the window is not the way to find great people, especially if you're looking to fill positions in multiple locations. Instead, the answer is Fountain. Fountain is the all-in-one talent platform, especially built for teams hiring at scale. See why over 5,000 businesses, including Burger King, KFC, Taco Bell, and more, are using Fountain to find, hire, and onboard new employees today. With Fountain, you can find more quality experienced candidates faster. You can shorten the time to hire and the employee onboarding process. You can track cost per hire and time per hire. Get automated SMS communication and automated document collection. Head on over to www.fountain.com forward slash rockstars and receive a demo plus free personal onboarding, a $500 value just for becoming a new Fountain customer. Check it out. Now, on with the episode. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, deliver amazing guest service experiences. Super excited today. I have Mr. Duncan Parker. 
And he is building or has built what he calls the LinkedIn for the hospitality and food service industries. He has a 100% free space for restaurants to post unlimited jobs to connect with talent. So especially in this day and age of a labor shortage, everyone is struggling with this. The audience listening today, I'm sure a lot of you are having this problem. So welcome to the show, Duncan. I know you've got some solutions to this. Hey, Roger. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on the uh, show. Yeah, thanks for being here. This is going to be a really robust topic, of course, because it's on everyone's mind. You know, I was at an industry conference uh, months back, and I heard that the average tenure of a new restaurant employee is just four months, which was really a staggering statistic to hear. But even more worrisome, it costs you know an employer somewhere between three and four thousand dollars every time they find one of these people, they hire them, they get them up to speed in the job. And then for whatever reason, they either lose them or fire them or the person quits within that four-month time, and it's lost time, lost productivity, wages, all that kind of stuff. No restaurant can afford to lose thousands of dollars every time this happens. So let's, uh, let's start this whole conversation before we get into dine gigs and what you're doing for the industry, which everyone wants to hear about. Why don't you tell us your backstory, how you got interested in the hospitality business, maybe early influences, early jobs. And then, you know, tell us all about uh, Open Table, Top 100 Restaurants in America. Tell us how you were an executive chef. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. I don't want to give anything away because it's your story and you've got a lot to tell us. Yeah, well, actually, thanks a lot. It's, uh, it's an interesting story, as you know, most food service kind of journeys are. Um, let's see. I started working in restaurants when I was 12 or 13 years old. Uh, my parents owned a food advertising agency, so everything that they did was specifically centered around food. Uh, my grand my grandfather was a butcher under grocery store, um, so you could say I've always had uh, a lot of food influence in my life. It's in uh, your blood. It I'd is. Say. It's really I can't get away from it. Wow, I finally figured awesome. that out about myself <laughs> at the ripe age of forty. But uh, yeah, so. You know, my, my mom and dad always loved the restaurant business and food service business. Uh, they were super uh, important and kind of pushing me in that direction when I was looking for my first job as a teenager um, through a friend of theirs who owned a restaurant, you know, as often happens, got me uh, into uh, the back of the house, starting to wash dishes, you know, just as a kid. Um, of course, when you're in the back of the house, you look at the front of the house and you see all the tips everyone's making and you kind of want to crawl out there. So uh, by the time I was 14, I ended up uh, starting to work in the front of the house, busting tables and that sort of thing. Um, and that began a very you know, lifelong love affair of working in the restaurant business. Um, continued throughout high school, you know, worked in both front and back of the house. Um, and I'd say through college, I went to a school, Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, and uh, served tacos at a Mexican place uh, up there in the city while I was in school, and uh, also down in uh, Florida in St. Augustine. I uh, went to college at uh, Flagler College and uh, continued to work in restaurants down there. Uh, finished up school, still worked in restaurants, uh, moved to Los Angeles, and uh, decided it was time to maybe Put my degree to work or give it a shot and uh, ventured off to Wall Street for uh, almost a decade. And the whole time I was there, I was constantly 
thinking about you know going back into the restaurant business and how much I missed it. Um, and in 2014, I had an opportunity to do that, to come back into the restaurant business. Um, see, I took over a, a restaurant that was, I say took over, uh, had an opportunity to come in as a general manager of a restaurant that uh, been significantly off its highs from you know, five years before or so. Um, and it was kind of the situation where we didn't really know how long it was going to last. Uh, you know, we didn't know uh, if the restaurant was going to be able to turn around or, you know, if it was just going to kind of limp along. Um, but yeah, we, I went in and put a bunch of new systems into place and just kind of worked really hard. And, uh, you know, 10 months later, shocked to get the uh, notification from open table that we won top 100 in the United States. So it's a significant turnaround. That is significant. Let's let's talk about that a little bit because that's a nugget of information that a lot of operators are going to really want to know because, you know, I'm in a similar situation right now. I've been out of the business for five years. I just bought another restaurant and that's a turnaround situation. And it's all about systems, as you mentioned, and it's all about knowing your critical numbers and it's all about marketing and it's all about customer service and it's all about building up all these things so that they complement one another. How did you turn around the situation to, to rise to such a height where, you know, open table, name that restaurant, hundred you know, one of the 100 top restaurants in America, an incredible accolade. Like what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced that got you there and how did you tackle those challenges? You know, it was, uh, it was the kind of thing, I wish I could say that it was easy. The first year was really tough. Yeah. Um, no you know, we were just kind of in there uh, where I think we had a staff of seven people. Yeah. When I came in, I mean, it was, you know, basically just <laughs> the bare minimum number of people to keep it running uh, at that point. I was wearing a lot of different hats, uh, you know, doing whatever it needed to be done. Um, looked around. There was a lot of things that needed to be improved upon, but the place had good booms, you know, and the food was good. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that was important. Um, I think it needed a stabilizing influence probably in the restaurant. Um, you know, for the staff uh, and just for people to understand that, hey, you know, this guy's in control. It's not going anywhere. Um, but really, you know, it was the kind of thing. We didn't have any money for marketing. We didn't have any money to, uh, you know, <laughs> really start a buzz or hype or something like that. We, you know, kind of were beyond the point, I think, of patience of, uh, trying to bring in a new chef or, you know, do something like that. So we're really in this unique situation of where we had to just kind of look at what we are, where we were and what we had. And what we had was a really beautiful space and a part of town that's kind of known for going through cycles of, you know, uh, of, of prosperity, I guess you would say. And uh, we had this staff that was really cool. Um, really cool kind of edgy, you know, punky kind of people and stuff. Um, lots of musicians and, you know, artists and that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, and once it got stabilized a little bit and things were starting to get more consistent, people started coming back. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing where we probably do 150 covers a weekend or something like that. Uh, and then, you know, through the course two years later, I think we did, you know, over a thousand and just, you know, five hour or sorry, eight or 10 hours of service, you know? 
Uh, Significant increase there. And so what it was really was like, uh, you know, it, it's really bizarre that it worked so well, but it was uh, understanding who our customers were. Uh, it really changed the music significantly from what came in, and that kind of changed the whole vibe. Um, as we increased, uh, as we increased, you know, business and things started stabilizing more and more. Uh, when we hired, we would, you know, I was sure to kind of hire people that. Um, jived really well with the people that I already had in place and was kind of careful to cultivate uh, in a culture of kind of like, you know, uh, around music and uh, just edgier people and just really kind of embrace, you know, uh, the area where we were and what we had going for us at the time. And it's something that really resonated. Um, and, you know, the success was, was just a, a wild thing to be a part of. Um, you know, as most restaurateurs will tell you, it's probably the least money I've ever made in my life, but it was by far the most rewarding experience that I've ever had because, I mean, it was just amazing to, you know, watch little tweaks and changes, um, and effort that you put into place, you know, in, in so many different ways into your employees, into, you know, the food, into the experience all the way around. And just to see that immediately pay dividends with people coming back and people raving. Um, you know, it was, it was a, a really wild thing to be a part of. I remember, uh, right around, uh, you know, that first year it was, I didn't really think we were ever going to get out of it. You know, I didn't think it was ever going to kind of turn around it was just kind of thing where we just showed up every day, but business kind of kept increasing. And one day, um, uh, after a shift, I you know, closed the place down, walked across the street, had a, a drink somewhere else and kind of got inundated with people uh, asking me, you know, if they could work there and, you know, kind of, it, it was a lot different than the previous experiences that I'd had to that point. And uh, it kind of clicked. I was like, wow, something is really changing. And, uh, you know, it happened fast. It's like, poof. So, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a really wild experience over totally. Do you know how you were recognized by Open Table to get such a, you know, a highly acclaimed award and what that did for your business after that was announced? Yeah, so uh, with Open Table, uh, it was based on customer reviews. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know what the specifics of what went into their algorithms, but I do know that just from my own anecdotal research, yes. it seemed like they chose one or two per state. Okay. Um, and so you know, in the state of Virginia, in our category, um, we were, you know, selected. And uh, yeah, was, they said that it was based on customer reviews. And I think probably part of it was because we were doing so much business yeah. that we had so many more customer reviews than other people. Um, and, you know, when you're doing a pretty good job all the way around, the, the average tends to, you know, scale a little bit higher. Um, you know, we had a... I mean, we probably, by far, we didn't have, you know, a world-famous chef. We didn't have, you know, a, a lot of things that a lot of other places did have. But what we did right was we made people really happy and created an experience that was really unique and special. And that came across in those reviews. And that's amazing because that just led to further and further new business, which led to increased covers and then ultimate accolades. And that's a beautifully powerful thing. 
and it's something that just can't be ignored. So, you know, every restaurant owner and operator and general manager really needs to pay attention to what those reviews are saying. And don't take for granted just because you get a couple of good reviews that you're coasting along and you're doing great because the next thing you know, it's very hard to please all the people all the time. And you really need to address those negative reviews in a positive way and make it right for the customer if it is an issue because overall that's your PR and that's where everyone goes. So you did an amazing job with that, but it wasn't just managing the reviews. It was literally building an infrastructure where everyone had a mission. It sounds like, right? You must have had a mission statement that everyone was on board with and you probably didn't have much turnover and you built a core staff of, of, you know, loyal, loyal employees and staff. And then that built a loyal um, repeat business clientele. So that's a powerful formula. Our, our, you know, turnover was less than zero for awesome. two years. Yes. Uh, you know, it was uh, kind of thing. Everybody got better at their job. Yeah. And <clears throat> when they, uh, when we needed to hire new people, you know, it was, there was usually a, a pool of people that were just waiting mm-hmm. to kind of come in, but we were in expansion mode, you know, at that entire time. And they were, I mean, it was crazy. And people would come in and work a brunch shift you know, for four or five hours, like a, a server and walk out with seven or $800. I mean, nobody was going to leave that, you know? Of course uh, not. I, I had a similar situation myself. Yeah. Very low turnover, very high retention rate. People made great money. The chemistry of the team was so strong that if somebody didn't fit, it's like they voted people off the Island. I didn't have to fire anyone anymore. It's like the team forces people out that just don't fit the team. You know, it's a yeah, absolutely. Thing. Yeah, and it was uh, you know, it was it was really kind of unique. There was times where you know we would pay a lot of attention to uh, reviews and managing reviews, and reviews are a tough thing because sometimes they're coming from your competition who are just trying to you know stab you in the back, and you don't know where these things are coming from. I know that's right. I mean, there's a, but you can't really placate to the reviews constantly. You have to placate to the experience constantly. And make sure that you're delivering, you know, the same consistent experience over and over again. Um, and if you're doing a good job, if you're really good at having that intangible, uh, you know, trait of of creating that really unique customer experience, then you know that's what kind of came back and and paid huge dividends. Right. You know? right. Um, it was we weren't the whole time we we weren't trying to. Uh, appease open table or appease you know the review gods or appease any of these people and when no. like, that information came out it was shocking um, you know I was floored it was like I didn't really even understand the gravity of the situation at first you know uh, because it was just such a, a, a big accolade and you know after that came through it was like every month we we're getting notified of you know two or three other awards or accolades that, you know, it was just like, where is this coming from? But it was coming from our customers. Yeah. Well, momentum builds momentum, of course. It it sounds like you were riding the wave, but you sustained the wave. You know, you didn't just sit back and say, wow, this is an amazing business and everything's on all cylinders and we're rocking and rolling. No, you kept the attention to detail. And every new accolade just probably fueled your energy and your passion to continue to deliver on those outstanding experiences. And that just kept fueling the fire. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was the, cool. it was, it was the little things, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. It's all the, just the, 
if you love it, you know, and you put all your effort into it and you're, you're there and you're present and you try to build a good team and, you know, you're not punching a clock, um, great things are going to happen. For sure. Yeah. So let's, um, let's move forward. Sure. You created something really powerful that I want to dive deep into, but how did you make the pivot? or the jump, or where did you first get the idea for, okay, so we didn't even mention the name of, of what you're doing. It's called Dine Gigs, okay? And we did say that it is the LinkedIn for the food service industry, 100% free space, restaurants, pay attention. You can post unlimited jobs and connect with talent out there. So how did you get the idea for this, and what were the logical steps you put in place? Because as I understand it, you're now a venture-backed company, and uh, you've got a big multi-phase plan to expand this thing into other areas that will obviously benefit the hospitality business, but it really began with the original platform of Dine Gig. So take me there. Take us there. Yeah. So uh, I guess it goes back to, uh, you know, while I was uh, running Lulu's at that time, there was, you know, there's a tendency for restaurant tech companies to kind of just this, you know, hand you a point of sale system and say, here, this is everything. This is, this is all you need. Um, and, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, there's a, a million details that kind of keep you trapped in the office um, all day long. And, you know, when I came back into the food service business after having been on Wall Street, where there's huge investment in infrastructure and technology, mm -hmm. uh, walking back into the restaurant business after being gone for 10 years was like, you know, walking into a time. Yeah. I, I couldn't I believe that. nothing had changed. You know, literally nothing had changed. I mean, uh, I remember when they brought in the color touchscreen point of sale systems, you know, back in the late nineties. And that was the last, you know, major change from <laughs> inside the restaurant business as far as technology is concerned. Um, and it was shocking. Uh, around that time, I, since I'd been on wall street, uh, you know, a lot of what we did was uh, algorithmic trading and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I looked at the restaurant business the same way I kind of looked at that, which was it's really just executing the same line of code over and over again, you know, when a certain set of conditions are met. And from that, uh, you know, I had been uh, programming behind the scenes and I've been you know, doing web development and that sort of thing, and it kind of branched out into uh, starting to create a platform that would manage a lot of these other little things. Um, you know, when you're trying to sneak that dinner with your family away from the restaurant, and it's seven o'clock, and you're you're looking at your watch, and you see in the sun dim down a little bit, and you you just know in the back of your head that the lights are on full blast in the restaurant, the music's wrong. You know, uh, as even soon back as 2014 or 2015, <laughs> there wasn't any way to manage that remotely. Um, technology happens fast, but uh, the IoT devices that were making that possible had started to come out. And, you know, it started with tinkering with that and uh, creating, a, you know, some little apps to kind of manage some of these different things. Um, and for about, you know, a year, I went through and kind of designed a platform that would manage all these uh, different aspects of uh, restaurant management that weren't covered 
through the point of sale system. Um, it was around that time that LinkedIn began, I'm sorry, excuse me, Craigslist began charging for mm -hmm. uh, job postings. And Craigslist has always been kind of the free food service job board. Um, that said, it's, it's not a, always a great experience, but it worked because restaurants needed a free place to post job ads. Um, you know, it meets, that's, it meets their economies of scale. You know, it's a, uh, it, restaurants were constantly, well, constantly always look for a place to post free job ads because they're low margin businesses at the end of the day. Right. Um, and so when they started charging, it was just kind of insulting and it just, you know, when you're walking through your restaurant, you're, you know, looking at your expenses at the end of the month and kind of, you know, what you avoided spending $150 on like a new towel dispenser or something like that. And you see how much money you spent on Craigslist posting job ads. You know, it just kind of got under my skin. Um, and as, you know, time moved forward, you'd find people trying to retrofit different other social media platforms for, you know, trying to get that free, uh, you know, job posting or something like that. And those for other reasons just also didn't work as well. And it just became obvious that this is what the industry wants. It's demanding this. Someone has to create a way that isn't just what we've seen before, which is just, you know, uh, some sort of classifieds on the internet. We need a better experience. Um, there's several reasons for, you know, why I thought that, but uh, the idea was, you know, this is one of the biggest industries in the world. You know, food service in the United States, we have something around 10% of our workforce working in food service. Um, and it's even higher when you start going around the world. It deserves its own uh, place where people can connect. And it's a, it's a different set of needs because most, you know, restaurant positions are more commodity positions um, because there is such high turnover. Therefore, <clears throat> you know, we, there, there needs to be a system designed, not where like LinkedIn, where, you know, a job post is $500, but you're hiring a C-level executive who's going to be making several hundred thousand dollars a year. Sure, I'll pay $500 to post on that for that type of person. Um, but, you know, when your turnover is 130%, like Panera's was last year, you know, it's... Unbelievable. You don't really, you know, you, you, you would never make any money <laughs> if you're, you know, having to shell out and cash like that every time you're placing the job at. So there's just, it had to be approached from the restaurateur's perspective of what, you, the way it needed to be um, and designed around that. So this is our first phase that we're releasing now. And uh, I designed it, you know, to be entirely free forever for restaurants and to make it, you know, better for uh, restaurant workers too. Um, you know, one of the big things that happens nowadays that people don't realize, uh, and it actually happened to my girlfriend when she was applying for restaurant jobs a couple of years ago, uh, she's a bartender and she sent her resume to a blind company on, on Craigslist as often happens. And she kept getting these texts from, you know, random phone numbers and that sort of thing and random emails, you know, uh, propositioning her to. Uh, you know, 
to go on webcams and stuff all around the world. And we were like, where is this coming from? And we realized that it was fake restaurant ads being placed on Craigslist targeting young people. You know, and it's like enough. No kidding. Enough already. Like we need to like straighten this out and just have some transparency. And, you know, get get everybody on the same playing field, verify the restaurants, you know, give some people uh, some sort of, you know, uh, reassurance that they're in a a reputable safe platform um, where they can speak directly to the, you know, companies that they're, where they're applying for jobs. The type of experience you'd expect applying for a job in any other industry. Killer idea. Thanks. So yeah, we're going back in, uh, 2014, 2015. Uh, we had, you know, lots of course, Lulu's today still, uh, you know, it's really amazing. It's still on top 100, uh, on open table. Um, they've done really well. Um, really proud of it. Really proud of everything uh, that they've done and the whole you know success of, of, of the business. But I moved on um, because I was building uh, dining games at that point, and most of my energy had been focused on the front of the house and you know service directly. I grew up cooking in restaurants, and it had been a while since I'd been right behind the line full time. Um, so I kind of my sous chef went to a new restaurant. And uh, I kind of called him up one day and I said, do you think uh, you could sneak me on the line over there cooking so I could uh, get a little bit of experience and kind of build some backing tools uh, or come up with some ideas for it to make sure that the back of the house was being uh, focused on as much as the front of the house for the, the entirety of the platform. Mm-hmm. And of course, he said, sure. Uh, so I snuck in as a grill cook to this restaurant called uh, Cabana Rooftop here in Richmond, which was had just opened, been open about a month, um, maybe less. And, uh, you know, got back on the line. It was kind of rough for a couple of weeks, but I caught up. The, uh, the place was a, a wild success on its own uh, from that, uh, from the initial open. It was, you know, unlike anything we'd ever seen in the city. Beautiful, you know, 10 plus million dollar build out. Like, you know, it was, it was pretty insane. Uh, it was kind of a victim of its own success straight out there in the beginning. It was, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think of the number of people that we had come through at a night sometimes. Um, you know, to give you an idea, uh, I think our busiest night where I, when I was executive chef there, we did 27,000 in food and something like 130,000 in liquor. That's amazing. It, it, was, it was wild. Yeah, uh, that's incredible. Yeah, so what had happened was, you know, we've been there about a month or so, and uh, there was extreme pressure trying to meet those crowds every single night. And uh, there was just, you know, a typical shakeup in the kitchen um, at that point. And uh, they looked around and kind of pointed at me <laughs> and said, hey, you know, that, that guy's had some luck at this before. Let's, uh, you know, put him in the reins. Um, and yeah, I ended up becoming an executive chef and kind of trying to see, or, or I saw the restaurant through its busy season, through all of that, uh, which was, you know, exactly the experience that I needed to complete making the, the Dine Gigs platform and to really understand, you know, what was missing in the back of the house. Um, we had a full-time uh, kitchen staff and something like uh, 18 people that were there from 6 a.m. to 3 a.m. 
I mean, it was a machine. And, you know, in that time, uh, you know, really got it humming. We met demand and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild thing to be a part of with that. But, uh, after, you know, we got through the season, it was about time. And I said, okay, this was, uh, October, 2016. I decided, okay, it's time to, uh, go out there and make this dine gigs thing a reality. So that's when all that started. Okay, so how does Dine Gigs disrupt the old school way that employers are sort of communicating or restaurants are communicating with their employees? Like, what's well, that? that? Yeah, that was one of the toughest things that I had a, a hard time with. Uh, that people yeah. don't really understand. When you have a, a small restaurant with, you know, somewhere, let's say, 30 to 50 employees, um, you, a restaurant that size, you're probably only going to have one or two or three people, you know, at the very top. Um, and how do you talk to 30 to 50 people who are going to be coming in and out, you know, over 18 hours a day, whose right. main goal in life is to avoid you. <laughs> you know, how do you, there's no uh, enterprise email in restaurants. There's no memo box. There's a whiteboard that's constantly being erased and, you know, God knows what being drawn on it. And, it's the kind of thing where if you want to get something across, you're kind of limited to doing stand-up, you know, meetings with your staff. Um, but even then, it's it's difficult to distribute information. Uh, it's difficult to, you know, on the fly say, hey, here's a new beer that we got in today, and here's all the information about it from the brewery themselves. Um, you know, how do you do that? And the answer is there is no way to do it. Um, you know, I think originally I tried to you know, use Facebook to disseminate, uh, disseminate that type of information. And uh, what I would find is that people would leave Facebook to avoid having or at least block us, you know, the restaurant and tell us they didn't have a, rest- a profile, um, you know, on Facebook because they didn't like the fact that uh, their personal uh, their personal Facebook profile was intertwined with the business. Uh, and you know, their managers and coworkers are seeing, you know, what they're doing in their private lives. Um, and I realized that, huh, this, you know, the, the idea of using like a wall feed similar to Facebook is, is a great idea, but you can't tell your employees to uh, intermingle their personal lives with, you know, uh, good point. But you can tell your employees this is a platform that we use that, you know, is a business application um, where we uh, communicate this information. And you can put that into the employee, you know, manual that this is where, you know, all relevant information about the business is going to be, uh, you know, published. And at that point, you know, that's a much different story uh, than telling someone they have to use their personal Facebook for business purposes, you know, as sure. specific. So I created a, a wall feed very similar to kind of like a Facebook or LinkedIn style thing um, with, you know, I think the, the main thing that we did with it, that's a lot different than Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter um, is in those applications, the, business has this omniscient third party kind of presence where you don't know uh, who's posting on behalf of the business. Uh, You don't, you know, it's just this voice coming out of the sky 
kind of. Um, we changed that with Dying Gigs. And while you can post that way, um, we also give you the ability to uh, post on behalf of the business so people know who it is that's talking to them. So if I put out some notes, some server notes for the front of the house, um, and they, your employees are looking at it, who, who are they going to talk to you? Do they have to ask three managers before they get to the manager that actually has the information they want? Well, this way they know where the information is coming from. Uh, they can you know, go directly to that person. They can message that person. They can have communication right on the feed. It's entirely private uh, to the restaurant, and you know, it, it puts it all in one place. So let's, okay, let's dive into that a little bit more. We're going to talk about, obviously, uh, your website later and how people can find you, but let's walk through the process of how the service works for a restaurant seeking staff. Somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, wow, Eureka, I love this idea. I need staff. I want to connect with talent. It's like, what are the steps right now? What do we do? Sure. It's simple enough. You just go on dinegigs.com. You create a personal profile. Uh, from there, uh, top right of the page, you can create a business. When you uh, create a business, you just walk right through, uh, enter all the information, and verify it uh, just by checking a box. And we'll email you a postcard with verification code to verify your address, the whole nine yards. Uh, from there, you can uh, go to the top right of the page and click post a job. Uh, for the first uh, 15 days until your verification comes through, you can post unlimited jobs. Um, it will say pending verification on your profile. If uh, someone searching for a job uh, checks out your restaurant, but uh, on your restaurant profile, you can add, you can upload pictures. You can give uh, people a feeling of you know the culture that you've created in your restaurant. You're welcome to put up uh, a thorough description. You can add team members. Uh, who also have the authority to post on behalf of the restaurant or post uh, or post uh, job ads for the restaurant. So if you're delegating several managers over you know, many different properties, uh, that functionality is built in. No problem. It's very simple. Um, there's no real catch to it in any sort of way. The only thing that uh, you know we offer as a as a fee for a service on the platform is at the very top of the page, we offer featured ads where oh. if you're in a big market like New York City or somewhere sure. like that, where maybe they post 200 job ads a day and you want to stay at the top, we do give you, you know, the ability to do that uh, for 20 bucks for 10 days. But you know, the entire design and the philosophy of the platform is that it's a chronological feed of job postings um, that you, know, you have an opportunity to... Uh, Post as often as you like. Uh, we have applicant tracking, so someone can apply directly through with a couple clicks. Uh, you can contact them directly through the platform uh, very simply. Uh, probably our, one of our coolest features is that when you post a job ad, we all know how much time it takes. You know, it can you can easily spend thirty or forty-five minutes finding the right words to place on a job ad, find the right uh, photos that you want to upload to give people, you know, the feeling. It's hard to believe that that much time does pass while we're, you know, cultivating some of these job templates. Um, our job ads run for 30 days. You can cancel it at any time, but you can't reactivate any job ad with just one click. 
So after you create that perfect, you know, job ad for a dishwasher or bartender or something like that, you only have to do it once. And it's free. It takes two seconds to re- to put that job up once again. So yeah, you know, it's all about saving you a bunch of time. Nice. And uh, you know, helping you collect all the different applicants. And you know, the applicants also have an opportunity too from their profile to you know, one thing that we run into a lot these days is millennials, uh, young millennials who are in their early twenties at this point. I've been using Facebook a lot of times for 12 or 15 years. So uh, 12 years at least. So what what that ends up with is that, you know, they have pictures of themselves when they're 10 or 11 years old on Facebook. And therefore they're not really using their Facebook profiles because they see it as when they're applying for a job, they're embarrassed that their future employer is going to see, you know, these pictures of them and not take them seriously. Um, and so they see it as a strike against them. Oh. This, this platform gives them an opportunity to you know, put the, the foot forward that they want to be known for uh, when a restaurant uh, you know, is looking at their profile. They get to put up pictures relevant you know, to the time frame of their experience, um, the words that they want. They, you know, they, they get to be you know, the, uh, the employable person that they see themselves as, not a victim of something that they you know, posted 10 years ago on social media. So it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool platform. It's easy. It's free for everyone. Um, yeah, you touched on it a little bit, but we've got a lot more that we plan to offer in the future. And the vast bulk of that, uh, we intend to make free. So I'm, I think I'm hearing that you can post literally any front of house or back of house job from management right down to line positions, depending on, you know, (laughs) it's anything, right? You can post anything, including support jobs. Um, yeah. Trying to think of most of them right. uh, out there, but you know that could be a bookkeeper, it could be uh, you know marketing support, it could be a, a, a you know door person or security. Hmm. Um, yep. Whatever it is, the only thing that we limit it to is you. Know, it has to be one of the predetermined categories that we've already set out. So okay, you know, you're not going to see Uber postings or you know. <laughs> Lift postings within all the different job posts out there. It's specific to restaurants, and uh, you're going to have a hard time uh, manipulating our platform into using it for something you know for other else than restaurants. It's uh, you know that's why it's called Dine Goods. It's specifically for food service, and right. you know it's intended for uh, owner operator uh, and you know small restaurant group food service uh, essentially. Um, you know, first McDonald's, Starbucks, you know, the giants out there, um, they have every capability in the world of creating their own, you know, food service job board, putting all their jobs in one place. They haven't, they don't, um, they don't really have a great experience for it either, uh, but they can do that. That Therefore, that's why I made dying gigs specifically for, you know, the 250,000 or so, I think, restaurants in the U.S. and throughout, you know, even more throughout the world. Um, they specifically fall in that kind of boutique category. Right. Where, uh, you know, they can't do it by themselves. So they need somebody to, you know, kind of fill that void. And that's what we're trying to do. 
Yeah, that's the sweet spot of the industry right there. I mean, the everyday operator where you've got a single location or a multiple location, but you're literally a small chain or a restaurant group, and you're not one of those large brand name chains that have all the resources. And they need this. These are the people that need all the tools. So I think that's that's tremendous. So is it similar when you're a staff person looking for a new gig? You're literally creating a profile and you're building it out, and it's more than just a resume. You mentioned it's obviously it's it's photographs. So potential employers can get a real sense of who this person is, not just on what's on paper. Yeah, <clears throat> you know that's one of the things that you pick up from uh, from working and having worked in the back of the house. You know, uh, people are really proud of what they're putting out and what they're a part of different menus, um, you know, uh, different places where they've worked. I know a, a big challenge a lot of us have dealt with is, you know, the, the kind of, the, a lot of people in the back of the house these days, they're, they're really interested in kind of building up all the different places that they've worked on their resume instead of like really kind of stick in one place for several years and working on their chef. Um, and so, you know, inside of that is uh, one of them. Sorry, I just got something disrupting me for a sec. <laughs> sorry about that. No worries. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, one of the, the main things that we're trying to do is give people who want to create their own, um, you know, presence online that really kind of displays what they do in the back of the house. Or maybe you're a bartender. Or maybe you're, you know, a general manager. Those are probably the main uh, people who want to build out profiles and, you know, kind of make, kind of cater their their profile to be kind of unique. Um, for other, you know, jobs throughout the restaurant, there's an, an opportunity for you to kind of share some of your personality um, rather than maybe like your food and your drink styles or that sort of thing, and give people a feeling for, you know, who you are. I mean. When I would put out a job ad for a bartender, uh, it was amazing. I would get, you know, three, four hundred resumes and, you know, a week. Uh, kind of overwhelming, you know. Uh, I remember it usually happened on a Sunday where that ad would go out and we were closed on Mondays and you, you know, come back in on Tuesday, Wednesday and you check and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get through the inbox, you know. And every one of those resumes, uh, every one of those resumes sounds better than your own. You know, these people are really talented at writing, you know, fantastic resumes, but you, that's all it is is working on a piece of paper. Um, you know, a real differentiator could be, you know, what other people could show you about what they do before, you know, you even have a chance to call them um, and set up interviews and that sort of thing. And that, you know, makes things more efficient for everyone. Like someone has a dynamite profile on dine gigs that, you know, gives you a really good feeling of who they are as a worker and the quality of product that they put out and the quality of service that they deliver, you know, that's going to move you to the, the top of the pack. And it's not totally, yeah, it's not something that's difficult to do. You know, you don't have to have a, an MBA in marketing or, or something like that, where, you know, to give people that impression. It's, it's helping restaurateurs get through, uh, you know, the huge stack. And, and finding, you know, the cream of the crop to help save them time. Is video a component of this? Can they post a video of themselves and in, you know, a couple of minutes that sort of puts their best foot forward? Is that also possible? Yep, they can. Uh, we don't have a, inside of the galleries, they have the ability to upload videos. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, absolutely, they could do it there. Um, we, you know, maybe we'll uh, integrate that into their profile picture, so they have a, you know, kind of a chance to to put up a little video if they like instead. That'd be pretty cool. So how are you reaching restaurant operators and employees that are, well, the employers are obviously seeking help and the employees are seeking opportunities. So how are you marketing dine gigs to build awareness? Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a chicken and the egg kind of scenario. You know, you have to, to build it up to get it out there <laughs> and you have to, uh, right. you have to have a, you know, two-sided market. So, um, but actually I kind of looked back at like how Facebook did, you know, and they were very specific to just focusing on building the platform inside of Harvard University when they started, right? And they slowly onboarded, you know, most of the students at Harvard, and then they went to, you know, other nearby Ivy League schools. That was kind of their, uh, you know, MO for how to expand and grow it. Now, if we apply that to this platform, um, you know, it's pretty simple, uh, and execution it's you know you have a city like where we are right now in richmond virginia who you know it's a really it's a great food town and we you know have several hundred fantastic restaurants um you know a lot of it uh has been the type of thing where we're going around and cultivating those relationships directly with the the large restaurant groups in town um explaining the situation of you know hey we need the jobs to get you the people so, you know, we're getting the, the jobs uh, online and they're, they're getting them up there for us. And then what we're doing is we're, once we have several listed, we're coming back around from the social aspect and really targeting, uh, you know, people that are in the wheelhouse for what they're looking for. So, you know, the jobs come first and then, you know, we've got uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, University of Richmond around here. Essentially, there's, there's something like, 80,000 people below the age of, you know, 28 years old, all within five square miles of where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. Um, awesome. And it's really easy to, you know, kind of target those people directly. But, you know, it's the kind of thing where I have the jobs first and then I'll send the people to them. But that's a, that's a formula that really works well um, as we expand. So for every new city that we break into, uh, the way that it works is, you know, we meet with the large restaurant groups, ask for a little bit of support from them to, you know, help get some jobs up, jobs up. And we let them know, Hey, this is when we're going to, you know, really start targeting, uh, your, your, your target demographic for employee. Um, so that's, you know, that's the plan. That's how we're doing it. And there's other, you know, things that we do as well, um, to kind of, uh, drive more traffic to the site in different places and just more awareness of it. But as far as, you know, how we've had the best success straight away, um, that's formula that's working. Awesome. So is there a background check function to dine gigs? Is that something that you handle? Yeah. So we actually uh, have integrated with a background check provider. Um, phase two, which we hope to get started on here shortly, uh, will fully encompass the background check. We've actually made uh, a back, we've made a product with our background check provider uh, that's specifically designed for restaurants, meaning the type of infractions that restaurants typically need to be aware of. 
Uh, and we also have different levels too. So most employees in the restaurant don't need to be background checked. It's a added expense. Right. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of know, uh, the people, you know, the people that have access to cash or access to alcohol, you know, typically are held to a higher standard than yes. a lot of other people. Um, and so therefore we don't, you know, we don't make you purchase background checks for just, you know, carte blanche everybody that works in the restaurant. But, uh, you know, you can choose someone, say if it's a bartender. And the main thing that you're concerned about with the bartender is like here in Virginia, um, if a bartender's charged with DUI or a drunk in public or any alcohol related infraction, uh, while that case is pending, they're not allowed to serve alcohol in the state of Virginia. But how often do they come out, come clean and, you know, tell their general manager, you know, owner that they, you know, got popped for uh, drinking in public while they were at the beach last weekend. You know, it's kind of something that probably slides under the radar a little bit. Um, but if you're something you're really concerned about, uh, you know, as a restaurateur, then yeah, we're, we're creating the functionality for, you know, you to decide, uh, how you know periodically you would want them if you just want a quarterly check or something like that mm -hmm. on a couple of different employees. Uh, we're building in that functionality. Uh, absolutely. Um, also, you know, in states like New York have made it uh, a lot tougher for you know proving your employee's identity before you hire them. Uh, California, New York, kind of leading the way on that. So we're also you know integrating uh, different uh, technology to you know, help them verify uh, that you know, their employees are who they say they are. And it's the kind of thing where uh, if you ever had to reset your password on your bank account or something like that online, where they ask you, you know, what are your, which three of these addresses have you ever lived at? You know, uh, that sort of thing, where uh, you know, we'll integrate through a provider like LexisNexis or uh, one of those where they actually, uh, you know, have to go through the process of verifying their identity. Uh, it'll get you 90% of the way there for, for most people out there and gives you, you know, as restaurants, you know, just small businesses, but they're being held to stricter and stricter standards um, and they're being required to be more compliant and have uh, more proof of their efforts to be compliant. And so we're trying to do that heavy lifting so that you know, they can focus on what they do. So you're sort of touching on some of the future phases of, of this business and this opportunity. I think we've covered Dine Gigs uh, as it exists today and the new platform really well. I think that's tremendous. Do you want to talk about you know, what your vision is for the future of Dine Gigs and what your timeline might be for some of these future rollouts of you know, the next phase? Sure, sure. Um, I guess the next phase that we've come out uh, and you know been pretty open about uh, would be a phase two, which is what we call Dine HR. And Dine HR is designed specifically around you know one of the worst things when you hire a new employee and they show up the first day, you know, 30 minutes before opening, and they have an hour's worth of paperwork to fill out before anyone can train them. Um, it's a it's a disheveled experience for the employee for um, sure. 
it's a disheveled experience for the manager a lot of times because you're looking for the one form that you ran out of the last time you had to hire somebody uh, and then you know it makes it harder on the bookkeeper it makes it harder you know on everyone all the way around well you know I'm of the mind that this is 2019 there's no reason why all of this can't be online um, you know it's the kind of thing where if you have uh, in a it always happens at the worst time, but one of your employees will come to you and they'll say, Hey, I had to change my bank account. Here's my new direct deposit information. When they do it, it's inevitably in the middle of a rush. Always. Um, always. And, you know, they don't realize you just have three other people ask you the same thing. Um, you're dealing with your old stack of work that, you know, is front on your plate, but they're dependent on that paycheck to hit a correct account on the correct day. And, you know, most of us, do Herculean jobs of actually getting that done. And, you know, they'll never know how much we have to go through behind the scene, but this is information that they should be able to handle themselves. Right. Um, they don't have access to these systems. Uh, you know, there are uh, several, uh, you know, international standards for how you have to handle technology of, of, of that level, um, including like social security numbers and that sort of thing. So there's a there's a higher level of uh, higher level of you know care that we have to take in creating this next phase. But what we're trying to do is give every restaurateur uh, the ability to onboard directly through our platform uh, to schedule employees. To uh, you know we have one of the biggest problems that we're trying to fix and scheduling apps is restaurants are really unique in that they'll have you know, one employee who has five different job codes, that's five different salaries. That's you know? right. But yeah, exactly right. When you look at most scheduling apps that are out there, they're designed for, okay, this is your employee. This is what they do. This is their job. Um, it's, you get into incredible complexity when, you know, from a, a software development standpoint of trying to design a scheduling app that can, say, hey, this is, you know, Jane, and this is her job today, and this is the pay rate that she gets for it, and connecting them all together and extrapolating that out to all the different, uh, you know, modules that you're creating and have them all communicate and connect directly. Uh, not, not impossible by any means, but it takes some critical thinking. Uh, <clears throat> and so that's one thing we're setting straight away to do with that. Um, I'm looking to, I, you know, it's always just like with Craigslist, it's always gotten under my skin that uh, scheduling apps charge 50 bucks plus a month, you know, to run That's around. Right. Um, you know, I'm kind of of the mind of, hey, if I can build this for $50,000, I should probably give it away for free and build up a huge base of really satisfied, you know, restaurant customers, uh, you know, that really enjoy it. I can probably find some venture capital partners out there who will help me do that, and I have. And that's the goal, you know, to give these things that uh, are, you know, really technology commodities that, you know, have a one-time fixed cost kind of associated with it and really, you know, uh, really small uh, continuing costs into the future, but create such a big difference and can make, you know, your, your clientele uh, so happy. Uh, why aren't more people doing this? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's amazing. Even a point of sale, I could build a point of sale for $100,000, but for some reason it costs, you know, $10,000 a year 
for that same point of sale that you could have built yourself with a software developer for a hundred grand. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not a fair economy of scale. Um, there's, and you know, the kind of the thing that I'm really conscious of that happens inside the restaurant industry is, you know, when a small, a new innovative restaurant tech company comes out, what they do is, you know, they rise up through the ranks, they have a, a better product and, and often, in my opinion, only slightly better than the, the legacy products that are out there. Um, and then once they mature, the price on them skyrockets and they enter the old guard of, you know, the 10 technology companies that kind of control all of restaurant tech, who all have the same exact pricing, who have pretty much indistinguishable products. And it just becomes a beauty contest then of, you know, which, well, you're only going to choose one of us and we all do the same 10 things. But, you know, I think they're, a lot of their value proposition is out of line with what they're charging. Mm. And I think that takes a new way of looking at uh, restaurant technology of executing it. And, uh, you know, a lot of ways that's where the opportunity for someone like myself and, you know, Dime Incorporated is that we don't have a legacy business model built in that we need to support. Um, we can do it the way a restaurateur would do it if they had to design, uh, you know, a system from scratch. And that's what we're setting up to You know, what really amazes me about talking to you, Duncan, is you're kind of a renaissance man because I heard earlier in this podcast you talked about going to the Fashion Institute of Technology. You've been an executive chef. You worked on Wall Street, and now I'm getting the sense that you're also a software developer. Like, how the heck do you do all this stuff? Like, where did it all come from? I don't know. It's, uh, you know, constantly, uh, you know, uh, curious, I think. Yeah. Uh, You know, and it was the kind of thing where it all kind of happened on accident. I remember I had an interview back probably in, 2009 or something like that. And the, the hiring manager looked at me and she said, I have no idea what to do with you. <laughs> you know, and I took that wow. as a compliment, but, uh, it is a compliment. <laughs> you know, it was a, didn't fit into a box, but yeah. really what it was is, uh, you know, I had gone to school for, you know, uh, at FIT and then I'd gone, you know, to business school kind of also as a fallback, just in case that didn't really go the way I wanted. And uh, FIT, I tried the industry out briefly after school, and it was, you know, kind of not a fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the only job offer that I got while I was in school happened to be on Wall Street. Uh, so that was kind of the first place that I went back to um, after that. And uh, actually, I learned a ton in Wall Street, but I never assumed that was a fit. It wasn't, you know, necessarily my passion or... sure. But while I was there, I learned a ton and I, you know, made the most of a career on it. But the whole time I was missing restaurants, you know, and runs deep, passion runs deep. That's all it was. I was just missing restaurants and uh, it's something I always cared about. And like I said, you know, in the beginning, it's, uh, it's kind of runs in my family. It's kind of something that you've, you know, always been focused on. And, uh, you know, I guess it's in my blood and, you know, I'm in the, in the place where 
I should be now, you know, but it takes you a long time to figure that out sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I was actually in the fashion business in Los Angeles for three years, but I didn't have a fashion background. I went to business school, so I had the business side of things and I had a business partner that was a fashion designer. So we found the, the business to be ultra competitive. I don't need to tell you that. And we had some success. We got into Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom's and probably, you know, 30 different boutiques across the country with our lines. But we found out that we kept getting knocked off by bigger companies. And the next thing you know, your designs would be in the local shopping mall in like five different stores. And it was like, it was so hard to, you know, to compete with that and to be a self-financed company, just tr struggling to produce the next season's line and all the cash flow would go right back into new fabrics and all kinds of other stuff. So, but what a ride. I mean, it was definitely a learning experience and I never thought I'd be in the restaurant business and opportunity found me. And then I developed a passion for it once I started building restaurants out from scratch and, and growing those businesses. So, you know, five years later, after selling restaurants, I just bought another restaurant and I'm back in that gig now on, in addition to doing restaurant rock stars. So it's interesting that the paths and the journeys we all take in this business, but the common thread is the deep passion and knowing that this is probably one of the most, if not the most difficult business I've ever been in and anything that we can do to elevate the industry and help other operators succeed. That's a passion and gratifying. And I know that I, I get that sense in talking to you that you love to give back and now you've created something tremendously useful that many operators are struggling with. And yes, it's going to be lucrative. And yes, you do have a venture back company, but wow, at the end of the day, you're still providing a tremendous service to the industry. So kudos Thank to you, you for that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, really, um, I love restaurants and I want to get back into the restaurant business. Uh, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take me to, to, to build all this to, to my, um, you know, finicky uh, level of perfection. But, you know, I, I imagine one day, you know, there's going to be a time when dying gigs is complete and I'll have a chance to go back to the restaurant business. And, you know, what keeps me going every day uh, in building this? Because, you know, just like anything else, it's, you know, we are venture back, but that doesn't mean it's just easy peasy. You know, it's a, uh, it's always, it's being in business for yourself is always a roller coaster and really trying to change, you know, the world and the way things are done. Right. It's a really difficult thing to do with a lot yes. of this. But for what sure. drives me at the end of the day is that when I do open that restaurant, these are all the tools that I want, need, and expect to exist at that time. And, you know, if I don't do it, I don't know who's going to. I don't know that it will happen. You know, so one thing I <laughs> kind of jokingly say occasionally was, you know, when I walked back into the restaurant after being out of the business for 10 years or so, I remember walking through the dining room and there was a light bulb out. And every day for like three weeks, I walked by it and I was like, somebody's got to fix that. Somebody's got to fix that. Somebody's got to fix that. And it never happened. <laughs> One day it dawned on me. I was like, you have to fix it. Go fix it, you know? And uh, I laughed to myself. Just, I don't, I don't even know why I thought that way. You know what I mean? But it was, it dawned on me and it was the same way with dining. Games. It was, you know, talking to different restaurant tech providers out there. And I kept thinking to myself, when are you guys going to do this? When are you going to do that? This yeah, is so wait. Hurry up and wait. You know? And I was like, you know what? They're never going to. 
they're never going to solve these problems because they don't know they exist. Because most of these companies that are out there in the old guard are technology companies trying to create solutions to problems that don't exist in the restaurant space. We're doing the opposite. We're tackling the problems directly and creating solutions for that. And that's, you know, if, I, if, if someone who isn't, doesn't have intimate awareness of what the issues are, uh, isn't the one that's creating the solutions to it, then, you know, it's probably never going to be developed to the standards that, you know, you and I have for what uh, is going to be really game-changing on the technology side. And if the only thing that I have to really bring to the table is to, you know, extremely uh, dig in and beef up, you know, my uh, experience in technology and, uh, you know, how, you know, that whole uh, side of the business works. Well, I was willing to take that on kind of years ago. And yeah, it's it, I'm in a unique position to, you know, have the opportunity to bring something great to restaurants. It's also a lot of problems. Well, it's very foundational that your ideas for this and you've thought through all the thousands of details that went into this, but it really came from your experience from in the trenches and knowing the challenges you had and the challenges that needed to be solved and, you know, not missing any of those details. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really excited to share this with, with the audience. I think it's tremendous. Is there anything that we missed that we didn't talk about, about Dime Gigs or, or about the platform or about the phases or anything else that uh, the audience needs to know that we've missed or didn't cover yet? Well, I should probably say that, you know, there's a lot more coming out there. Uh, We, uh, let's see, we, we are raising capital constantly. Uh, We've raised almost a million dollars so far, um, which has, you know, been how we've been able to get this to this point. Uh, but we did create a crowdfunding campaign where we can, where anyone can, you know, buy a little piece of us. We made it really low, so even uh, servers and bartenders who, and dishwashers who believe in what we're doing, can uh, have an opportunity to, to invest in our company. Uh, just a hundred and sixty-five dollars is the minimum, um, and you know that's when I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, start our round of capital raising they they don't give you many options out there um the previous you know round that we had done the you know minimum investment amount was twenty five thousand dollars and that kind of that's very typical of you know capital raises out there um that's got a, a reg d 506c uh is what we had previously done um and that makes it really tough for your average person to get behind and get involved in uh, something that's really cool. Uh, I think you have to have an average net worth of $250,000 a year in income, and you have to have a million dollars liquid in order to be able to invest in a Reg B 506C. But uh, a couple of years ago, the regulation crowdfunding campaign came out, and uh, there's you know, much far fewer constraints to that sort of thing. So um, we decided to do... Uh, a crowdfunding campaign for this go around and we're raising a little bit of capital there and you can find it at startengine.com slash dynegigs. I'm going to write that down, put it in the show notes. Start yeah, thanks. Engine.com. Did you say forward slash dynegigs? I think it's, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's forward slash It might be backslash, not sure. Uh, I'll check, I'll double check it before I yeah. put it out. Okay. Yeah, so, um, 
you know, cool. it's, uh, that's one neat thing that we kind of have going on and that has a lot of the details about our story and about everything that we're uh, doing out there. Um, but yeah, after phase two, I could say phase three probably um, has some really neat stuff with it, but I should say that's when our uh, mobile apps should start tying everything together, uh, come out is in phase three. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to bring things to the table in phases four and five that haven't been uh, even thought of yet in the restaurant space. So uh, it's, it's going to continue to be atypical. It's going to continue to be uh, extreme value. Um, and, you know, my intention is to disrupt what's currently in place because it doesn't work for restaurateurs. Awesome. Yep. Tremendous opportunities ahead for you and the company and for the people that will be using Dine Gigs. So, yeah, awesome. thanks for your help and help in getting the word out. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's taken a lot to get it to this point. Um, you know, with, uh, our, our, I can tell you one thing, hopefully that, you know, anybody out there that's listening is of course it takes a little bit of, of luck, you know, for this whole thing and, uh, serendipity. And, uh, you know, when I left, uh, Cabana as exec and started working on the Dynamics platform, the original one, I, you know, I banged it out myself, uh, entirely for, you know, it took about five or six months. And I think it was May, 2017 that I released the initial first nine gigs platform. Um, it was, yeah, it was May 12th. It was 8.02 PM. We went live and, uh, it was an hour later. I got a phone call from someone who I didn't know who, uh, placed the first investment in nine gigs. No kidding. Yep. One hour after I launched it without not That's one, awesome. with not one job on the job board yet. I, uh, yeah. I made a little Facebook post to my friends to show them kind of what I was working on. And one of them pinged me and said, Hey, are you looking for investors for this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, sure enough, an hour later was in contact with the guy. And a week later, the first check was cash. And, you know, here we are two years later, two and a half years later. And, uh, from that point, and you know, I think we have around 30 investors in our company right now. Um, it's, it's been tremendous, uh, experiencing that. I didn't know I could do it. You know, I didn't know that, uh, I never wanted to be a technology CEO or someone like that. I wanted to be someone who solved these problems and I thought I could do it. And, you know, uh, for anybody else that's out there who, envisions a problem that's not being solved, you know, I want to just kind of pass the word along that, you know, you can do it, believe in yourself. And, you know, if, if you put in the effort, a lot of times the universe will meet you halfway. You know, I love that advice. That's tremendous. Yeah. Serendipity lightning strikes. <laughs> it does. You just got to put in half the effort. It'll, it, a lot of times it'll meet you the other half. It takes a little nice. bit of luck though, but yeah, it's uh, you just got to keep going. 
Well, I really appreciate your appearing on the podcast, Duncan. It's been great talking to you. And I think Dine Gigs is doing amazing things for the industry. So I'm really psyched for all the listeners that are tuning into this episode because I think it's particularly relevant. As I mentioned, we're in the midst of this crazy labor shortage and everyone's struggling with finding people. And here's the solution to that challenge. So thanks again for appearing on the show. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. And we will see you in the next episode. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, guys, staffing is the foundation of your business and nothing is more important. So you got to stay relentless, keep at it, and keep looking to find the best people for your business. I'm hoping Duncan Parker gave you a new resource to find talent for your restaurant in today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. You know, every year I have a limited number of spots where I work one-on-one coaching people through their pain points, their restaurant challenges. And if that's something that intrigues you and you'd like some more information, why don't you email me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R at restaurantrockstars.com. And we'll talk shop. We'll talk about what keeps you up at night. If you like the podcast, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help other operators and managers find us. And once again, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.